three, two, one, go. Hey, good to see you, Trevor. It's it's good to see you, Justin. Welcome back to our podcast, Sparking Creativity. The EthnoArts Podcast. There it is. Love it. Glad to be back. You know what episode this is? Number six. Number six. And we have decided that our first season is going to be <laughs> ten episodes. To provide a little bit of space, a little bit of space as we prepare in case we fall behind. Um, so this is this is our second act of season one. We're halfway. I feel like we should have a, a musical number. We missed out on a good way to close the uh, the first act. Speaking of the first act, that was a good segue, and it was actually completely unplanned. But what are we talking about today, Justin? We are talking about drama (laughs) look at that he can build suspense with the best of them drama that was called a dramatic pause (laughs) oh it's clear that we're feeling a little bit silly today but we are excited to be talking about this topic and we've got a few definitions it seems like we're, we're trying to hit a really really giant topic today but we want to hit a few possible definitions uh, within the realm of drama, within the, the artistic domain of drama, what that means around the world. What do you got for us? I guess we should first talk about drama itself before we dive in. So there's, we're talking about drama. Different people will understand drama um, differently. Something different may come to mind. For me, when I think mm-hmm. of drama, I think of a play something you go to, you're sitting in an auditorium, it's performed on a stage, um, and that may not be the case for other people. Mm -hmm. How about you? What do you think of? Yeah, I uh, have done a lot of theater productions in my day. I've loved it since I was a kid. I can tell you all of the auditions that I messed up and didn't get the part. Um, I love musicals. I love Broadway I'm raising a bunch of little Broadway nuts in my house. My kids love it. We have playlists based off of Broadway belters, and that's what I think of. I think of big, giant musical productions. I My big uh, claim to fame is that I got to see the cast of Wicked, the original cast of Wicked, before anyone really knew what it was. Um, wow. I got to go to New York City and see them on Broadway. And, uh, yeah, that's the immediate thought that comes to me with drama. Nice. I was the lead role in my kindergarten performance of The Hole in the Bucket. Ooh. Um, you were Liza? That... <laughs> I was Henry. I was Henry, I think. <laughs> That's what his name was. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, <laughs> Liza I haven't had first. a whole lot of experience myself in drama, um, with the exception of I performed in um, in uh, the choir at our college like Christmas thing, which was all the performing arts came together, the orchestra, mm-hmm. the, the choir, um, the theater department. 
Um, so I was around it. My wife had a performing arts background. In college, my um, brother-in-law, before he became our brother-in-law, he was our good friend, and he wrote uh, his own musical that mm. others in our campus ministry performed about the, the birth of Jesus. And there was another play that he directed that I got to be in. I don't know why I was cast, because I don't have a strong um, acting background. But regardless, it was still it was still fun to be a part yeah. of that. And I am yeah. I certainly am a fan of musicals and in any any dramatic element. I I enjoy movies and TV and audio books and yeah. radio programming. For many in the in America, they grew up on like Adventures in Odyssey and absolutely things like that. Yeah, this list goes on and on. All the all the things that can be considered drama, that's for sure. Yeah. So let's start with um, a definition that we found. Um, drama is the reproduction of actions performed by people. These actions recreate former actions or create a world of possible actions. Pretty that sounds exciting. <laughs> It sounds less exciting when it's as a definition. It's mm-hmm. it's more fun to talk about examples and the things that you enjoy. But so many things can be wrapped up in this. And often, um, there are other artistic domains. And when we talk about artistic domains, you know, we've talked about music so far. We've mentioned uh, dance. We've mentioned, mentioned visual arts and colors and patterns and and. In, in drama, there can be multiple artistic domains all in one. So yeah. it's pretty, um, it's a very dense uh, art form in that, like a lot, yeah. you can fit a lot of different kinds of expression into it. Um, so our, our word today, our ethno what word is ethnodramatology. What? Say it with me. <laughs> ethnodramatology. <laughs> But what does um, it mean? This, this, uh, this term was coined by Dr. Julissa Rowe, um, which she defines as the study of drama across cultures. So you may remember we mentioned um, ethnomusicology before, the study of music, um, and ethno arts being a study of all art forms, and particularly... Um, applying it towards some purpose Mm -hmm. um, to meet a need. Um, She says enabling ethnodramatology is enabling, at least in in her application, enabling Christian actors to write scripts and perform in their own culture. So similar to the way that ethnomusicologists or ethno-art specialists have helped Christian musicians to write their own music in their own forms rather than adopting styles that are, are foreign to them, or outside their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, simply put, it is the study of drama, forms, and expressions of every culture. At, it, at its roots, it analyzes a cultural worldview and how that worldview shapes the drama of that culture. Um, and I think that worldview is a key word that comes up a lot, and you can learn a lot about a culture's worldview through looking at their arts and their expressions. Um, we've talked about arts being... Um, set apart as some kind of heightened form of communication. This is, it's, it communicates a lot. It, we've learned that it, has, it, it can communicate identity. It can communicate history, um, important messages. Um, so 
ethnodramatology. So we're, we're taking, specifically looking at drama, at least our, our Western understanding of drama. Mm-hmm. We're trying, we, we're coming, I guess, some kind of acting element. However, we, we do have to sort of set our own lenses aside and our understanding when approaching another culture because it could be totally different for them. Um, the rules are different. The, the art forms that are present are different. What it's used for and what messages it can communicate uh, can be different. So we, ha- we want to know what does it mean to them. And ultimately, um, the hope would be that the community itself is discovering the role of drama and then the power that it has, uh, particularly in our, our cases, to share the gospel, to communicate stories from the Bible. Um, so some, some of the why, why we'd want to look into this, we've mentioned some already. We, we want to see the world through other people's eyes. How do they view the world? What does mm-hmm. it look like? Um, we can learn about their history we learn about other issues that people care about because they will use their their drama to share the ideas that they care about, um, the things that are important to them. Um, we also think of drama in the terms of entertainment. That's why there's a film industry and television. And we learn what entertains people. That also has value. Um, we can also take it deeper um, for communities who are wanting to recreate um, different styles of drama for different purposes. They, they learn about the different categories they have. Um, they learn about the features of each. Um, for example, I remember going to a play, and it was uh, a small theater in Dallas, and they, I forgot, I forgot the name of it. Maybe you might know, but there's like a villain that comes out and everyone in the audience is supposed to throw popcorn. And so they give the audience popcorn specifically to throw at the villain when they come out. And that was, I forgot the word, whatever that type of (laughs) style of, of drama was, that was a part of it. Um, My, my brother-in-law, as I mentioned, he's also a theater director and he's led like improv workshops. And that is a whole genre um, of drama where there's no script, but there are certain rules that the actors have between themselves. There's um, you, you break that fourth wall between you and the audience because there can be interaction then yeah. with an audience. So these are different features that we that we learn about. And it, for communities wanting to use their drama and recreate, maybe write new plays or um, new skits, they 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 can learn what features go into that that will communicate what they want it to and for the audience to have the the experience that they want them to have mm-hmm. um, so we can take all of these and um, they can determine together what kinds of scripture passages would go well with different kinds of uh, local drama forms um, they can improve on past performances to make things better um, they can encourage just scripture to be able to spread people can have access to the bible through the dramatic telling of the stories. Yeah. Bible storying is a, is a very uh, popular ministry um, because people are, are wired for stories, and it's a great way to engage with those stories. 
outside of uh, like a print form or just by hearing it recited. So these are some some areas to consider, some some benefits of drama. Um, and you are going to share a story along these lines. So maybe I'll hand it over to you and you can dive into our story today. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I gathered uh, this from, well, okay, I stole it. Um, there's an article, a great uh, passage written by Michelle Peterson. Uh, Michelle is a colleague and friend, and uh, I am a big fan. Anytime she's sharing or teaching, uh, she can tell stories at the drop of a hat, and it, it is relevant to the conversation you're having. And so um, I'm stealing this story from her and her experience in West Africa. Uh, in this article, it's called Scripture Relevance Dramas, and it was published in the Ethnodoxology. Uh, that's a journal, I believe. Uh, volume 4, number 4, in case you're looking for it. Uh, you should be able to, to access that online. It's a, a longer article and goes into a lot of detail. So I just wanted to share bits and pieces of the story uh, as an introduction to drama, especially as it relates to scripture engagement or what we sometimes call scripture use. Um, how, do we, how do we use uh, scripture specifically to reach communities uh, and these stories have to do with drama in the Lunaba community. And that is a pseudonym. Um, it's a, a language community in West Africa somewhere. And uh, drama featured heavily. And Michelle was able to understand a bit and learn a lot of lessons through this. So uh, this is what Michelle says uh, about her first experiences and how she started to figure out what the value was on drama in the community. So Michelle's first experience of Lunaba drama was at a Christmas Eve church service. It lasted all night long, which just sounds fun. Uh, the celebration was full of singing, folk dancing, and drama. The crowd was too large to enter the church building, so the festivities were held outdoors. And what surprised her the most about the first uh, play that she saw was the subject matter. It was a comedy, but it was about bribery. She had really been expecting, and I think we would have been expecting as Westerners, given the context being Christmas Eve, that it would be some sort of a nativity play. It maybe uh, would, would recreate a Bible story, but this one was not. She was fairly mystified by the storyline, and her friends were trying to tell her about it, but she didn't quite understand it necessarily at the time. So she says as she began to know the culture better, she started to understand some of the functions that drama can serve in the community. And uh, she discovered that whatever Lunaba people value, their comedies make fun of the opposite behavior. And this is really to maintain social cohesion. If it's, if it's a, a value that we want you to avoid, we're going to make fun of it. We're going to, to make it comedic. So the Lunaba theater generally intends... Uh, they are trying to instruct, entertain, and correct all at the same time. So one of the stories that she tells uh, after this, I, th I think, is kind of the, the meat of what I'm getting at here. And this isn't an example of how Scripture changed the community, but this is definitely an example of, of finding a value and finding 
really a, a gem in the midst of an everyday occurrence um, that probably felt very strange uh, to an outsider coming in. So the father of one of the script writers that Michelle was working with, uh, he passed away. So Michelle and a friend went to the family home to spend time with them, give their condolences. They were surprised when the granddaughter of the deceased person began acting as the role of her grandfather. So she's, she, uh, apparently they do not perform drama during the funeral itself, but later on in the days when everyone who is around and, and like I said, giving their condolences, uh, they notice that this is something that happens sometimes dramatic events unfold. And I don't just mean a family member was, was, you know, being unruly, an actual drama unfolded in the area. So she describes the event as, as this, the, the men were all seated solemnly outside of the house and there is a courtyard that, uh, is in the middle. And that's where all the, the women were resting and talking. And she said there were perhaps 50 women sitting around in the courtyard when they visited. So this granddaughter of the, the man who had died looked to be about 18 years old. She went to her grandfather's room and came back out into the courtyard wearing one of his robes and his cap, leaning heavily upon his staff in one hand and his wooden crutch in the other hand. She walked around the courtyard as if with great labor, very slowly and hunched over. So Michelle had to ask her friend, what on earth is happening? And it was explained, she's imitating her grandfather. So this granddaughter called out, son, where is that little cell phone of yours? I want to use it. Son, come and eat. If you don't come and eat, I'm going to give your portion to your nephew in your place. Do you hear me? The granddaughter sang prayers, then stomped around the courtyard laboriously as before. But this time she got a little stick, pounded it on the ground, and ground until it was frayed and dipped it in water. What is she doing? Michelle whispered. That's a stick people chew on like a toothbrush. So he pounds it on the ground and dips it in the water to make it softer because you know old people don't have very good teeth. The granddaughter was now stomping out of the courtyard. One of the mourners asked the granddaughter, Where are you going, Grandpa? And she fired back using her grandfather's gruff voice, Can't an old man go to the bathroom in peace anymore? And everyone laughed. <laughs> so Michelle was surprised that people were laughing at such a serious occasion. And I was, I was thinking about this. I was telling Justin earlier, I was at a funeral this morning, actually, and, and the leading worship and hearing the stories told. And they were lighthearted and they were, uh, you know, really beautiful remembrances. But it wasn't this dramatic and wasn't causing everyone to laugh uproariously. So Michelle did whisper to her friend, is this common at funerals? And she said, yes, all the time. And this is that little nugget that I'm talking about. She said, you can't just grieve all the time. This helps people lighten up by remembering the person. So the women in this courtyard were laughing, recognizing typical things the old man used to do and say. And it seems uh, to Michelle, this is a very nice way of remembering the deceased. Kind of like we give a eulogy. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a very telling incident uh, in, into some, some things that you wouldn't necessarily see uh, in a, a new culture to you uh, unless you live life and you go through, through an experience like this where people are mourning. 
and just experience it with something we often call participatory methods. How do we how do we participate in the culture uh, through friendship, through through kindness, through whatever means um, would be acceptable in order to understand? And this is this is a great idea um, in in ministry in general. Something that we seek to do. Um, it's so funny. It makes me think about at funerals that I've been to that we do give eulogies. Sometimes it's very serious. Sometimes yeah. the people are are making jokes. Sometimes. Um, I guess it's very common to share stories, maybe like maybe a story like this would have been shared, but rather than someone acting it out, they would just be say, Grandpa did this right, and then explain it and it was it's still funny, but it's so interesting that this is its own this own genre of performance that happens only at this occasion and uh as a and, and having especially like a young granddaughter right. acting like the grandfather the the image is just is just funny um to me but and this is this is a drama that's very well known it doesn't happen on a stage it's not uh a big production and it's um, completely improvised it's something that someone just decides i'm going to do this and and what you notice is that other people also joined in and and referred mm. to this young lady as grandpa you know as whatever the the name was for this man they they just jumped right in so this is clearly something they were familiar with and wasn't yeah wasn't uh, unexpected um yeah as you were mentioning too with uh, improv groups that we're familiar with you know uh, or or throwing popcorn at the villain uh, this is definitely um there's permission for anyone that's in the crowd to become an actor if you interact with that person that's imitating the deceased. And uh, this just seems to be a part of life for them, which I just find really fascinating. And, you know, I'm sure she noticed that things like this were, were also uh, used in a lot of other different life events, uh, whether you know, celebrations or I don't know if weddings or, you know, important events in people's lives. This was probably something that was just a, a part of, of the everyday life. And so, um, you know, the, the kind of follow, not follow up, but um, what came out of some of her ministry there and uh, the, the Lunaba community is that there, there was a group uh, called the Lunaba Drama Team and uh, they worked together and I know they did a lot of um, radio drama work taking you know finding ways to use scripture in a dramatic fashion to maybe use uh, if it was a live performance to use that improvisational aspect of of the the drama life within this community um, one of the things I, I thought was great in this article too was um, when Michelle and others, I'm sure, were, were trying to figure out how do we write scripts? How do we make it um, seem relevant? How does it feel like the Lunaba feeling of, of drama, especially when maybe moving into a new media? So we talked, uh, you know, radio, we can talk visuals, movies. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done with drama. And so as they were writing scripts for this, Michelle was trying very, very hard to develop these scripts and, and make them sound right. And uh, one of the things that she said was that indigenous script writing is key to perceived relevance of the message. So indigenous script writing, when the people themselves 
write the scripts. When I presented a script draft to my Lenaba friend, which I thought had made culturally appropriate, I had made culturally appropriate, she read it and said, oh, this is good. Now I'll make it African. <laughs> Michelle mm-hmm. says, I thought I had made it African. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, an outsider really can only go so far and, and you have to let go, um, of, of that control or that idea that you have it all figured out, that you're fully an insider. Um, I, I don't know many people who would actually think, oh yeah, I got this. I'm fully an insider after, especially after experience. You'd think at the beginning, oh, after a few years, I've got this, I, I can make this look right or sound right or whatnot. Um, but, but you need to have that freedom to say, okay, now you make it, you make it relevant. You make it African, you make it, you know, whatever, um, the culture is around you, um, as an outsider, that's a, it's a great place to have someone say, okay, now I'll, now I'll perfect it. I'll make it sound right. I'll make it look right. Um, and it's probably stuff that you've never picked up on before. Um, Mm -hmm. so I just, I just really enjoyed that story. And, um, I know that this Lunaba, uh, radio team, they they just did some some pretty amazing things and had radio stations opened up and voice actors playing um, maybe Bible stories straight from Scripture, but they also started to do what she calls or uh, yeah Scripture relevance dramas. Um, maybe starting with a problem where you have the main character, the main voice actor, the main um, you know person in the film or something like that. Uh, set up a problem that they have maybe in real life say i'm having this issue with my neighbor or my brother or my parents and then another person comes and says something like you know you aren't the first person that has experienced this kind of difficulty i was in a similar situation and here's a story from god's word that helped me uh, understand helped me learn helped me grow and then maybe say, may I tell you a story from God's word about something? And then go on to tell that dramatized story um, in a new, unique, interesting way. And uh, I just love that this is, um, yeah, this is a part of many cultures around the world. And it looks very different. Um, some of the, the just a, I'm sure there's a long list of cultures that use drama to um, teach lessons, to pass on information to keep epic stories from from the past uh, alive and well and you know you have um along ho which is from the saha region of or the saha people group in uh siberia and uh that's a, a a gigantic crazy really long really epic really dramatic um storytelling dance, drama, all of these things included, um, tons of music, um, performed by professionals who, who really know what they're doing and have kept this thing alive. Um, and you have a lot of, a lot of Asian, um, uh, drama type, uh, art forms that maybe use specific hand, hand motions, um, or, or positions that will con- uh, convey, really specific information that unless you're an insider or grew up with it would be very difficult and take a long time to learn. Or like we talked about, uh, with this story, something improvisatory. If you're, if you're very good at thinking on your feet, you might be considered a a great actor and someone who can, um, portray truth or portray a story, uh, in, in that way. 
those are the types of people that you want to look out for the people who are just really good or can make people laugh or make people cry on a dime or um, notice when something just is off with the costuming or the you know there's there's a ton of stuff that you can analyze within drama uh, this is just one one glimpse into drama into ethnodramatology if you want to call it that um, it's just a, another great way um, that we can see God at work around the world and uh, jump on board. Any thoughts, Justin? Fascinating. Yeah, I, I've i seen, um, there was a group, one of these uh, Christian theater groups that came from Thailand to our school back when we were in training in 09, I think, mm-hmm. that, that performed. And one of the things that stood out to me was some of those the shapes that their hands made as they moved. Yeah. Um, the costumes were different. I was, someone told me that the way their fingers are pointed, the, the different shapes mean different things. I would have no idea. Yeah. I would not pick up on that at all. And the, the comment from uh, Michelle's colleague there taking, taking her script and saying, now I'll, I'll make it African makes me, Think of the the T-shirt that you said that says music is not a universal language. Yeah, and we can we're applying that to, to drama. We're seeing it here that there's so much involved that doesn't um, that that is intended to communicate to a certain audience that yeah. would uh, that is lost on on outsiders. So it, it's yeah. so so important to know what those are and to encourage communities and and um, to explore that and make it their own. So I, yeah. One thing I wanted to love these examples. One thing I wanted to point out was, um, this can also go really, really bad. Um, one of the things we run into, if you're working with, um, somebody just translating, um, say the Jesus film or something that's been made for, you know, a, a big production on a, on a biblical, uh, story and and they work really hard to make it amazing and make it you know the the production value and everything is really really high end for a certain audience and it may not be Western even it may be for a Middle Eastern audience or something and then someone somewhere else in the world says oh let's let's translate it let's just translate the words it could also have some things within the drama that are offensive um, I read one story I believe it was from Julissa. Uh, in in Mexico, a, a short-term missions team had gone somewhere and they were performing a drama, but they had painted their faces white and they were wearing all black clothes and they had put certain decorations on their faces depicting some story in the Bible. And people immediately got up and left and they were just exiting the building because it symbolized something that was really taboo to them. I believe it was surrounding the Day of the Dead celebrations. Um, so there are definitely... You know, within even the Jesus film, I've heard stories of, okay, if you bring this into a particular culture because Jesus was was handing food to the disciples with his left hand, that was extremely offensive in that language or that, that mm-hmm. community. And um, because there was some deep cultural or spiritual or, you know, um, I think that would probably be linked to, to filth or, you know, the left hand is unworthy or dirty or used for things, certain things and not for others. So that's something that you need to be very aware of that you could unintentionally 
offend or or completely distract people from the message or give them the wrong completely unintended message by something um, seemingly small that was very big to them a very big hindrance to the actual message so just like everything else we're talking about um, checking with the gatekeepers checking with the community and making sure they they're understanding the message the way it's intending to be understood is important. Um, Michelle does talk about that in her article quite a bit, that community checking and making sure that the the lesson you're trying to get out there is is getting through in the right way and you're not distracted by some some something that's the wrong color in the costume or something like that. Um, so uh, just a, a word of warning, um, but also, you know, to see how powerful this type of ministry can be. Um, it's exciting. I'd like to see, see more of this. Um, studied and there isn't a ton out there using ethnodramatology so if you're looking to write a, a paper go ahead um <laughs> <laughs> we should mention that julisa has written mm-hmm. um a lot on the topic yes um she has a, a book i don't know if it's available or not called dramatizing scripture that's uh it's a short little book that's mm-hmm. helpful for coming up with ideas of how to adapt scripture to a dramatic format and and to be used in in church services or um, evangelistic outreaches or uh, whatever other applications you might have. So if anyone's interested in learning how to dramatize the Bible yeah. um, and adapt it in that way, you could look for that book and check out her any of her other writings or or presence on on the web. If we can find it, we'll put a link to it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. We uh, are very excited. We've gotten some good feedback from everybody on on the podcast. Not everybody, some people. Uh, we're very excited. Uh, we looked at the list. We can see some some stats, and we have thirty two different uh, countries represented and people who've been listening to Spark and Creativity. And we want to thank you for listening. Um, a few people have have put up. Um, uh, ratings um and yeah we'd just love for you to keep sharing it and keep uh liking and following we're on facebook and instagram and all those places but please write in if you've got stories of your own if you have more questions if you have a comment um a complaint uh you can (laughs) you can put those things in there and we'd love to be in touch and uh, hear some more of your stories as well that's right Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for taking the time for your feedback. Thank you for those who've left reviews um, or even even shared it on their social media platform. I've seen some people um, who liked a particular episode and, and shared it with their friends. So thank you for doing that. Thanks for being here. This is a treat for us, and we look forward to connecting with you in the future. Yeah. So now go and spark something new. Did I get it? Bye. (laughs) You got it. Bye. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear what you thought. What resonated with you today? What questions did this raise? Anything you'd like to learn more about? Maybe you have stories you'd like to share. Please feel free to contact us at ethnoartspod at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ethnoartspod. We also invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. This will help others to find out about the show. 
please feel free to share the podcast with others. We look forward to sharing more with you next time on Sparking Creativity, the Ethno Arts Podcast.